Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a Heat Rock, you know, an album that burns its way into our collective memories. And today we will be getting ready, getting set to revisit the 1980 <laughs> sophomore album by Shaka Khan, Naughty. The air up there in the clouds is very pure and fine, bracing and delicious, and why shouldn't it be? It is the same the angels breathe, wrote Mark Twain about a West Coast city. To me, at least, some of those words describe the voice of Shaka Khan. Listening to what she's able to do with air makes you feel like you're climbing altitudes, soaring, levitating, able to leap tall buildings in a single note, while she holds space for that ill lower register of hers and the high notes. Naughty dropped in the spring of 1980, during the last days. No, Mom, not those last days. The last days of disco, sparked by a public rebuke in Chicago of the genre and its blackness, its queerness, and its fun. Disco was demolished, but that didn't keep the greatest ears in town, Arif Martin, from including it in his production of this album, which blended disco with what Shaka was wont to do. Be funky, and soulful, and have harmonies. Given the opportunity, I might have named this album Sultry, but I wasn't given the opportunity. There is something about her voice that makes me feel like she's got a secret in her throat. I love that. I love how she slow-winded Papillon and the tongue-in-cheeky of So Naughty. I love the drama of the opener clouds, the way she has sax with Michael Brecker on Nothing's Gonna Take You Away, the layering and the textures and the mighty pens of Ashford and Simpson. Hell, I even love that pink satin john she rocked on the cover. We thought we knew her during the Rufus years, but she had much more to show. Limitless vocal possibilities, what we say, straight options. In 1980 and forevermore, she is Air Shaka, up there in the clouds, very pure and fine, bracing and delicious. And why shouldn't she be? She sounds the same as angels breathe. Naughty was the album pick of our guest today, Adeline. You could say that she's all about the bass, no trouble, as she has been a student of the bass guitar since a teenager, getting her start practicing the bass lines from Curtis Mayfield's Superfly. Not a bad text to start from. From there, she blossomed to playing in CeeLo's band and fronted the new disco group Escort before striking off on her own as a solo artist over the past four years. Her debut eponymous LP came out in 2018 to rapturous reception, and by the time you all hear this episode, her latest EP, entitled Entrem, will have just come out. Included on there are several songs that she taped videos for while on lockdown, the most recent for the sultry after midnight. Yes. Crazy. Adeline, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's such an honor. Glad to have you here. And so we have to know 
How did you discover Shaka Khan? When and how? I discovered Shaka Khan. Um, I mean, I knew the name Shaka Khan, you know, growing up, but discovered Shaka Khan only happened kind of late um, in my in in my years of, of developing as an artist. I was, I think, it's when I just moved to New York, so I was about nineteen years old. Um, and I moved to New York initially. I grew up in France and I moved to New York to find my voice, really find my style musically um, and, and really go to the source of the music that I love and learn. And uh, that's when I discovered Chaka Khan. I can't remember exactly, um, but I think I was out in clubs a lot and I heard some of her voice and hearing it in that context um, was like hearing her for the first time. And I uh, just after that. Just uh, it changed my life. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the moment you fir- you first heard her voice. What was that moment like? The best way I could explain is it gave me permission. Mm. Uh, mm. It yeah, that's how I felt. She gave me, and I'm getting emotional. I've been really emotional for the past three weeks. I'm sure everybody is feeling yeah. the same way. But she gave me permission. She gave me permission to be unapologetically loud and high pitched and. Imperfect in the most perfect way. Um, I love and, that. and I will never call Shaka Khan not perfect. But, <laughs> I, it, you know, I'm saying that with the most utmost respect possible, but it in the dirtiness of it, you know, mm. it, it's just I have a really high pitch voice. And I never I always felt a little bit self-conscious that it, I would sound annoying when I would get to my high register. And I do not have Shaka's voice, you know, <laughs> at all. But um, it allowed me to not feel self-conscious anymore about just, if you want to scream, just go for it. Why Naughty as your album pick? Because I thought this was interesting given that in... (laughs) To be clear, Naughty is not an obscure album in her catalog at all, but Mm -hmm. it's not as formative as the stuff that she did with Rufus, and certainly amongst her solo LPs, there are more prominent ones like her debut from 78, Mm -hmm. or of course her big 1984 album, I Feel For You. So why is it that you landed on Naughty as as the Shaka Khan album you wanted to talk about? The first, well, the first thing um, about this album, I mean, and like most of Shaka's music, which is why I'm such a huge fan as a singer, but also as a bass player. The bass lines are insane. I mean, this album has three of the best all-time bass players, Willie, uh, Marcus Miller, and, um, oh God, why am I not remembering now? Are you thinking of Anthony Jackson? Anthony Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony Jackson, exactly. So the bass lines are, you know, I spent hours practicing to all of these songs on bass. Uh, and I like, I love this album as a whole, the way the songs transi- transition into each other. Um, just from from top to end, it, 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 the piece of work that it is as an album mm. um, is, is, that is the album that I listen to when I get ready for shows. Um, so wow. I have moments when I want to hear Shaka and I, ha- I pick this song, this song, this song, but this is yeah. when I want to listen to an album, this is the album. And I have this weird tradition uh, slash habit um, before when I get ready for a show I only listen to Prince or Chaka Khan mm. within the first the last <laughs> hour before the show um, 
a few select other artists are allowed, but it's it has to be these two. Oh, and it's I listen to Dirty Mind by Prince and and Naughty by Shaka Khan, mm. and it's the way the album starts. When the album starts, it's it's I'm the show is on. I could be wrong here, and I think Morgan would know better than me, but Dirty Mind also came out in 1980, 1980. right? Yep. So I I think it's fascinating that, Adeline, you chose for your your basically your hype music, right? Your walk-up music. It's two albums from 1980, and we generally do not like to get into age specifics on this show out of respect to everybody, ourselves included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My guess is I'm not even sure you were born in 1980. I was not. I think it's fascinating that you picked this this particular pair of albums as what it is that whether it inspires you or provokes something from you as an artist, as a performer in, in particular, what is it about that interplay and, and the sound of what was happening in 1980 that you think um, is useful to you as a performer? Well, you know, I, I did ask myself that question and what I found out is um, I think what it is spiritually for me about these this these two albums is at what time in these two artists' career the album came out. Um, and I think it was at that, it, it feels to me um, that like it's, it's the time where they have found themselves, they have found their sound and they're just perfectly aligned with mm. what is happening sonically um, in the music world and who they are. And they are hitting the spot perfectly and they are so um they're confident with who they are and the music is is done so perfectly Morgan, what was your relationship to Naughty like? And I, I got to confess, I had never listened to this album until I, I prepped for today. Clearly, I'm not that much of a Shaka Khanologist. Uh, I know a lot of her like hit singles, but I re- have very rarely sat with her albums. And so I don't know if I knew anything off of Naughty until now. And I'm curious, how, how about you? Well, confession is good for the soul, as I say. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I came to Naughty late. Um, I loved uh, Papillon, but I mm. didn't deep dive into the rest of the album until about 15 years ago. Um, and when I jumped into the album, I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Um, and I started with Naughty. I was like, ooh. You know, it, had, it gave me a little shoulder shimmy. And uh, it's moved up the ranks in terms of my favorite Shaka mm. albums. It's not mm. my favorite. My favorite Shaka album of all time is I Feel For You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because stronger than before. My love is alive. Eye to eye, caught in the act. They just wear me out. Like, I'm not even the same after I listen to them. So my top five, top four would be, um, I feel for you, what you're going to do for me, uh, mm-hmm. this yeah. one, 
and uh, Ashaka now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this has moved up a little bit in prep for the chat, but I just really needed to listen to it again. And I love clouds. As I was saying in the opening, it's just, I can't with that. It's just so dramatic. It's such a dramatic start. So it makes sense why you'd want to play that before. Let's start playing clouds yeah. before the show, uh, Oliver. Yeah, <laughs> you guys should. I, I recommend it. <laughs> we need to play it before each show. But yeah, with Shaka's catalog, there are so many individual jams on every album mm-hmm. that it's even yeah. hard to pick favorites because there can be an album that there's just one smash. I mean, mm-hmm. In the case of Shaka, I'm Every Woman, but there's others. There's yeah. other stuff. I was made to mm-hmm. love him. Like it could go on and on. So. Along those lines, Morgan, what kind of shaka did you th- do you think we got on Naughty? Sultry shaka. Mm. Uh-huh. Sultry shaka. Mm. And I thought that we got, and I mean this not in, I mean loaded like a lot in her pocket. Because one of the things about shaka is when I've seen her perform, it's like she opens her mouth and ta-da, it's like all these options come out. If you mm. want to go to the low register, she's got that. If you want some sort of jazzy scat feel, she's also got that. If you want a little growl, she's got that. And if you're patient enough to wait till the end of the song, she's going to wear you out because that's when she starts to take off. And also, it's just her harmonies. I know she's got other personnel on here, but I think on Naughty, she gave us she gave us everything, and she gave us that with her. I mean, it was just it's like it's like session musician summer camp plus Shaka and all her gifts, and that's just wrong in the best ways like it's just not fair damn it shaka but it's just That's so wonderful feels to me it feels like the music industry like the best people in the music industry and in, in in funk and r&b were like okay guys we you know shaka khan is working on this <laughs> album let's all show up and like literally we're gonna call the three best session bass players that exist like the best drummers and like the best pe- and like ashford and simpson to write some songs and right. You know, it's it's so that's why for me, it just satisfies me as a singer and as a bass player. Yeah. No, it's funny because I was thinking, Morgan, you were saying a moment ago about how she has other personnel on here. I'm like, that other personnel includes Ashford and Simpson, Sissy Houston, young Whitney Houston singing backup, right? Luther Vandross. Yeah. And that's just the singing components. I mean, we've talked a little bit about some of the musicians, but you got guitarist Phil Upchurch, who at at this point is just a a stone cold veteran. You have uh, former average white band drummer Steve Ferrone. We've been, we talked about bassist uh, Anthony Jackson, who played on, I think, almost all of Roberta Flack. Albums from the 1970s, uh, and might have been playing his signature six-string contrabass yes. on this album. I, I think uh, Adeline, you would yeah. know better than I would. Be. You can hear by some of the low notes he's hitting that it's yeah. six-string bass. And yeah. The point being here is that Naughty was not, I think, unique in having an assemblage, you know, of different artists. I mean, that's just how our, it, that's just how albums were made, especially at this time. Mm-hmm. But the sheer level of combined and collective experience and talent on this LP is just off the charts. I mean, let's just mm-hmm. restate this again. She's got Whitney Houston. I mean, provide like 16-year-old pre-solo career Whitney Houston, but she's got Whitney singing backup for her on right. this LP. I mean, right. that's how much flex Shaka Khan has in this yeah. moment. And that's flex. And then if you look at the instrumentalist, there's so much, there's so many horns on here. It's like yeah. somebody decided, this is a sax show. Sax, <laughs> trumpet. <laughs> We're going to throw some guitar on here, but th- these are horns. And why this is important to me is because Shaka's voice has so much horn and it. it's got so much of that quality that it's mm-hmm. almost just sort of like 
everything that these instrumentalists brought to the table, I also have in my voice. But you know what? If you guys want to come along, that's cool. And I just love, I love that part of the album. There's so many, there's so much horns on here. There's so much saxophone. There's so much trumpet. And then a few yeah. little great guitarists in too. But, but to your point, yeah. Not only Whitney Houston, but also Sissy Houston. Sissy, yeah. No yeah. pressure. Yeah. It's just Sissy Houston. In terms of the sound of the album, and I want to come back to you for this one, Adeline, is that, you know, 1980, I think, is a really interesting year for where especially black dance music is, because you're now coming in, this is the late disco era. Mm -hmm. It's still very much influenced by the funk of the 70s. Um, you're beginning to hear, not necessarily on this album, but with other artists, kind of the influence of, of some of the new wave coming from um, uh, Europe. And... Uh, you know, Adeline, you're obviously no stranger to this set of styles, given you know all the work that you did with the group Escort. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. for you, what is it that you're hearing on Naughty that really stands out, both in terms of uh, Arif Martin's production, as well as Shaka's decisions as a singer playing mm -hmm. off of the sounds that are circulating on this LP? <laughs> I mean, it's... it's um Every song, like, it, and, and, and again, you know, Morgan started, explained it so well with talking about Shaka's range, because that really is what's so unique to her. She's known for her, her high-pitched voice, but her, her lower register is also incredible, and Ooh. she has so much control over her voice. So, so to me, this, I mean, it, you find that in, in most of her music and almost all of her songs, like, it's... You're never gonna be disappointed vocally. It's just always voice fest, you know, for it, for any singers. It's it's such a lesson. Um, but for this album, the the layers of backgrounds that we just covered, you know, who was on backgrounds, but it it has her signature yet yeah. still. And what did you think of the production? Well, well, to to echo what Morgan was saying, um, you know, adding to the fact that there's so much going on, so much richness, you know, with the horns and. And these guitar lines are such elaborate lines coming, you know, in, for in song introductions and, and as, um, uh, you know, passages through between verses and, and choruses. And it's so elaborate and rich in, in lines, um, but it doesn't feel so busy. There's still, I mean, I think it's probably due to the mix that's so excellent as well. Um, but the, the air, there's still air, it still breathes and really what comes out of it is still the funkiness. And that's, yeah. that's really difficult to do. Uh, for my part, personally, I find that when I add, start adding more, um, to, to my music, I lose a little bit of the funkiness and, and the griminess of it. And they've, they managed to really excel in doing that. And it, it's, it's very elaborate. It's so super sophisticated, but it's still really, really feels really raw and funky. Yeah, you wanted to talk a little bit about Martin, right? I did, I did. Yeah. And, and I came across a, a documentary about him and it was filled with people that work with him. So I just want to play a little bit of that, a clip of that where the people that know him best are talking about what he does best. Mm. There is no doubt in my mind that Ruth Mardin was one of the greatest producers of all time. 
to look through this discography, it's the history of modern music. He produces your pop records. I wouldn't think about no hip hop at all. But he was. Jazz records. R&B records. He produces rock and roll records. Whatever type of music that you gave Arif, he knew. I mean, and just just a casual skip down his discography is just so mind-blowing. And some things I didn't know. I knew about his work with Shaka Khan, but I didn't know his whole... When you go to the Wikipedia page, just by itself, they're like, this is 143. <laughs> this mm. is 143 uh, entries, but I just want to name a few. Obviously, he did Shaka Khan, the album. He obviously did I Feel For You. I didn't know he did um, an album with Donny Hathaway. I didn't know he did the fantastic jazz harp of Dorothy Ashby. I didn't know he did, did Nora Jones' Feel Like Home. Gosh, there's so many things on here. I didn't know he did the Amazing Grace album, the live album for uh, Aretha Franklin. I didn't know he did the mm -hmm. Beaches soundtrack. Like there are pages and pages and pages of this. And what became clear, at least in the documentary, is that he just he could do all styles of music. So when 1980 came around, he was ripe and ready for sort of this post-disco funk thing that he did on this album because he's a jack of all trades. And I was just just blown away by I mean that that um, that documentary. If people want to want to watch it is the greatest ears in town, and it's got Quincy Jones on there, Phil Collins, Shaka, Aretha, Willie Nelson, Layla Hathaway. Just all the people talking about all the different things he could do for each artist. I always have this idea in my head, which is clearly wrong, is that when we start to divide pop music into different eras, is that we just sort of assume that people who were big or very capable in one era just somehow disappeared by the time you move to the next one. And certainly someone like Shaka Khan, her specifically her career, you know, it spans multiple eras. And someone like, mm -hmm. I think Arif is the same thing, is that this might, sure, he might have been someone who helped to produce Aretha, but that doesn't mean that once the seventies were over, like his career evaporated along sure. with the decade. Like you sure. know, he, there's a lot of people who stayed relevant. I think long beyond we often consider because maybe the most prominent work they've done is associated with a particular time and place. Sure. But again, as as you're saying, you just dig into the credits, you realize, oh no, these folks were behind the scenes many, many, many years beyond whatever we think of as their prime. And in some cases, their prime never really ended necessarily. Like I was saying before, when 1980 came around, he was ready. And he was ready in 1984 for I Feel For You. Something I think that was him and David Foster, I think. But either way. I think so. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah, this feels like an informal Prince episode somehow. Already done, like <laughs> I mean, guys, any, any conversation with me is an informal <laughs> Prince uh, podcast. <laughs> Just Yo. so you know. <laughs> We will be back with more of a conversation with Adeline about Naughty, the Shaka Khan album from 1980, after you hear a brief word from some of our Max Fun sibling podcasts. Keep it locked. Readers have a lot of problems. How do you juggle your holes at the library? Well, how do you decide what to read next? What do you do when you find out an author you love is a huge trash baby? I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. And we're the hosts of Reading Glasses. We're here to solve all your reader problems and along the way, help you figure out your reader wheelhouse, which are the things that will absolutely make you pick up a book. 
Our listener favorites tend to be magic and a woman on a journey. And also birds for some reason. Your reader doghouse. Yeah, that's the things that'll make you avoid a book. Ugh, love triangles stress me out so much. Reading glasses. Every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Rocket Ship One, this is Mission Control. Come in. This is Rocket Ship One. Go ahead. Rocket Ship, what's your status on Max Fun Drive? Shouldn't we have seen it by now? Sorry about that, Mission Control. Turns out I miscalculated. Current projected ETA for Max Fun Drive is July 13, but it looks different. It'll be for four weeks, so it's longer than expected. But all readings point to low key. Oh, that'll be good. But can you verify that there are still special gifts for new and upgrading monthly members? Verified. Sweet gifts for new and upgrading members, plus amazing new episodes and even special weekly live streams for charity. Copy that. Rocketship, can you confirm ETA for Max Fun Drive? 90% probability of Max Fun Drive from July 13 to August 7. Did you say 90%? There were a couple of decimal places, and I might have carried a zero wrong. I'm just going to pencil in July 13th to August 7th. Mission Control out. And we are back on Heat Rocks talking the 1980 Shaka Khan album, Naughty, with Adeline. Adeline, as I mentioned earlier, you have a new EP out, and obviously... Like most artists, you wanted to have been able to get a couple of singles out first and promote them. But then, of course, COVID happened and we were all sent home. And so I'm guessing at some point you must have decided that even though you couldn't hire a professional, fully fledged music video team to come and shoot <laughs> videos for this, you still wanted to get some videos out for your song. So you, you decided to do it yourself. And from what I can tell, <laughs> watching the videos for both After Midnight and Twilight, it looks like you taped them at home in what? I'm guessing might be Brooklyn if I have my skylines right. Um, regardless, <laughs> what was that experience like putting together your own uh, music videos? And you, you were telling us before we started taping that you taped those off of your iPhone, which is very impressive. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, my husband filmed with, with my iPhone and he, he that is not his job at all. Um, I, you know, there's something about um, not having a choice you know, having no option and not, not having the option to, to say, uh, oh, I don't think I'm good enough at this because that's what I used to say. And, I, you know, some artists make videos, some artists I, you know, that I admire direct their own videos. And I always consider myself to not be one of those artists. I always thought, okay, I can do a lot of things, but, you know, this, this video thing, the visual is not my thing. Um, and then, you know, comes COVID-19 and quarantine and, um the decision to, okay, what are we going to do about promoting this music since we can't even perform? Um, and I just sort of thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to try this. And once I um, gave myself permission to think that I could do it, the idea started flowing in my mind. And I just kind of got in this uh, in this creative zone that's similar to when I create music yeah. that I, uh, that I um had never experienced before. I don't know how good the videos are, but I I, I had fun doing it at least. No, and they look like you had fun doing them. <laughs> I love the point that you're making. How you know we oftentimes say that that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, mm -hmm. but I've always found that creatively, whether it's as a writer or as a DJ or what have you, the more limits you have, the more in which I should say. I mean, there's a point at which the limits become suffocating. 
But there's this balance where when you have enough things of parameters you have to work within, you just learn how to make it work versus if you have complete infinite options, then you know that analysis paralysis sets in. And it actually can be harder to be creative then because you have no idea where to go versus Absolutely. when you know, okay, this is this is the box I have to work with, but I'm gonna make the I'm gonna do the best work I can within that box. And I think that's mm-hmm. it sounds like that's the kind of experience you went through with these videos. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I you know, I think some of the best um, art has been made that way. Uh, again, I don't think that those videos will tend to be some of my best art, but it, it I, just tapping into that that place of my creative brain. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the after midnight video, I'm just playing dress up and I, I choreographed the whole thing, but I just, I got into this zone in my bedroom where, I mean, it looked like a crazy person's bedroom where I had all these clothes laid out and I just was in this zone and it, it was similar. It was almost like a, a visualization of what happens in my brain when I'm making music. Um, so it, it was super interesting to discover a little bit of a, a visualization of how I create. Yeah. And for the record, I think your husband did a very good job as director of photography. <laughs> on that. So you, can, you can let him know. Yeah. DP, he's got, he's got he a future as a DP credit. if he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's bring this back to Shaka and Naughty. And we, always ask our guests what the fire track is off of the album for them. And I'm going to let you dwell on that for a moment because I know Morgan wants to walk us a little bit through kind of the, the her discography of Shaka Khan fire tracks here. Yeah. And particularly, I mean, if I had to play one and it would be so hard to play one, there's a song from an album, another album called Shaka called So Not To Worry. And it's about an affair. But if I had to go to my grave with one song, it would be uh, Night in Tunisia. Because no. by the time she gets to a long time ago in the 40s, you're just like, Shaka, where are you going to take me? And you have mm-hmm. no idea. But what I love about Shaka the most is sultry Shaka. I love everything she sings and I love every time she sings, but I love sensual soft Shaka. And just wanted to name check a few of those songs where that part of Shaka is at play. One of them is a song called Roll Me Through the Rushes. It breaks into something very sensual and sexy, and it reminds me of another track of hers called Better Days. Again, sultry, sexy Shaka. Just might be that all my life I've been searching for someone just like you. And she's got other tracks like that. Obviously, Stop On By is one of them. What You're Gonna Do For Me is another one. But every time I hear this sort of shock, it's very like silk robe, dark liquor. 
incense. I don't drink, but if I did, dark liquor <laughs> and the silk robe. But that sort of like femininity and full embrace of her, you know, it's, it is her womanness. It is everything. And it comes across in her voice. And on this album, the track for me that does that for me is Get Ready, Get Set. It's so, mm. it's so sexy. Shaka is about the O's and the O's. If she's singing an O or an O, she's wearing you out in the best ways. And so, yes, Sultry Shaka is one of my favorites. She's multifaceted. Um, Adeline, as you have you know, alluded to here, she's multifaceted sonically. She's got a lot of gifts and a lot of personas vocally, but I love Sultry, Sultry Shaka. So, Morgan, is the, is Get Ready, Get Set your fire track off this LP? It is not. Oh. <laughs> it Threw is us off the scent there. It is not. My fire track is Nothing's Gonna Take You Away. I mean, it is to me, it's it's a thing of beauty. It's my favorite song and it's also my favorite moment. Um, I love a good change up and I love when Shaka takes flight at the end of that song. That's it. I just mm. love that. I love that song. I love clouds and I love naughty. Yeah. Uh, but my fire track is nothing's going to take you away. What about you? Mm. Me? Yeah. Oh God, it's so difficult. I, I, I would say for this album, my favorite would be Move Me No Mountain. Yeah, oh God, it's again. I think it's also the bass in it. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment in the album is because I also love "Nothing's Gonna Take You Away" and and "So Naughty." And my favorite moment in this album is the the transition between the end of "Nothing's Gonna Take You Away" and the sax solo that ends on this note, and it trails over to the next song, and she sings the note that totally matches that that. That sax and it, the, the two songs transition, and that inspired my entire, you know, debut album with the songs transitioning into wow. each other. That's mm. how much this album means to me. Um, that is the one of my most cherished moments in an album ever. It 
It's funny because this episode is probably, by the time people hear it, we probably would have just had an episode about Donna Summer's Bad Girls, which came out in 1979. And one of the oh, things yeah. we talked about with that Donna Summer album is that, mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, that was a straight up, very much a disco album, like unqualifiably yeah. a disco album. And so a lot of the disco production on there uses these breaks where one song seamlessly blends into the other. But yeah. in this case, it's a little bit more clever because it's not just using like a rhythm track in order sure. to create that bridge. I think, you know, that the way that it echoes out of the um, the saxophone within the, the incoming note from the next song, I mean, that is a, that segues a thing of beauty. So it's no, so indeed. great, great call. Indeed. <laughs> so as usual, and, and uh, you know, I'm always the person who picks the, the most obvious cut as the, 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 uh, <laughs> The fire track and the biggest hit off of this LP, as we've talked a little bit about, is was um, the Pillion, which was Shaka's cover of the Greg Diamond and Bionic Boogies 1978 hit "Hot Butterfly," which and I'm pretty sure I have this right. Luther Vandross sang lead on the Bionic Boogies version, and we've got uh, it. Oh. We've got it here. And Luther reappears wow. on this Shaka version, except this time he's singing backup. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Shaka had a conversation with Luther about not only covering the song, uh, but asking him to sing on it. And again, we were talking a little bit earlier about the level of flex that Shaka Khan had at this point. But can you imagine her going to Luther and saying, Luther, you know, <laughs> that song from two years ago was, was really good, but I'm about to body it right now. And do you mind singing backup for me while I do that <laughs> for you or right. to you? And I mean, I think it's a great song in and of itself. Um, I almost picked Move Me No Mountain because I think both songs share a very similar kind of mid-tempo groove. And obviously there's more energetic songs on here and there are more sultry ballads to Morgan's previous point. But there's something about how that kind of middle point groove that mm-hmm. both of those songs both of those songs nailed that for me really, really gets to me. And I think, um, you know, as, as good as the original version of, of Hot Butterfly was, I thought Shaka Khan does a really just sublime job on this cover. And like I said, I just love the fact that she got Luther to step back, 20 feet back from the lead mic and sing backup for her on this. And I think he probably asked her to do background with him He's like, yo, I'm cool with David Bowie. Right. He's doing this labyrinth thing. Can you sing with me on Underground? And she was like, is Whitney going to be there? And he was like, yep. So they're on this song called Underground. And even on this jam, and there's like a choir, there's Whitney, there's Luther. You can still hear Shaka. What's your favorite moment, Oliver? Because I don't think you talked about your favorite moment. Mine is actually the very beginning of Get Ready, Get Set. And it has mm-hmm. everything to do with the interplay between that really chewy bass line by Willie Weeks and that scrambling guitar, which is either Steve Kahn or Hiram Bullock. Both of them, both guitars play. I don't know which who does what. But 
it just the way in which it just sets off this very particular funk groove and i think it really is a lot of that guitar work which it reminds me a little bit of of kind of rick james uh, action mm-hmm. and it just kind of screams early 80s funk to me This one almost feels like it could be um, a track off of um, off the wall or bat or something. It could mm. almost just hearing it like that almost sounds like a Michael Jackson track, right? And I was thinking before about our conversation about Arif uh, Martin is also you think about Quincy Jones making that transition, yeah, from, it sounds very Quincy you know from the '60s all the way up through you know the '80s and beyond. And so there's a lot of these kinds of producers doing similar work in the studio mm-hmm. at the same time. So no, that's a great that's a great call. You know, we talked a little bit and we didn't get into it, but real quick, we I, I touched a little bit on her harmonies, which I just think are so compelling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just in your own words, like what are Shaka's harmonies to you like? Just speak to speak to us as a singer, because I'm not a singer. I, I don't know how to interpret it. They're just amazing to me. But what is she really doing harmonically that makes her so exceptional? So to me, what makes it exceptional is how um, she harmonizes her ad libs. Which is, which is unique to Shaka Khan. Not everyone does that. You know, you have, you have the layer of harmony as part of the core of the chorus or the background. And then, which she harmonizes both of these things. And then she will do her ad-libs, her very unique, you know, um, signature Shaka ad-libs. And very often she'll throw a third on top of that. So she will harmonize her freestyles, which gives, you know, and she's already singing super high when she's doing her her ad-libs and she will add a stack to that, which, and without doubling them. So it's, it sounds like three shakas hitting you all at once. And, you know, she's, to me, she's a horn section. Um, Exactly. That she, she she is a human saxophone. And when she harmonizes, it sounds like, it sounds like a, a three saxophones just Mm. harmonizing with each other. Indeed. Indeed. And they're all like those parts that I just described that, that are part of ad-libs, they're all sung like a lead. And that's why it really hits you so much because they're all sung um, without holding back and with as much soul and intention as possible in each one of those. As opposed to when you sing backgrounds, you tend to you know fade in the background and, t- and blend. But when she does that, they're each, each one of these parts are a lead vocal stacked together. Well, speaking of the power of three, if you had to describe this album in three words, what three mm. words would you choose? Funky would be the first one for sure. Good one. Good one. Um, funky, motivating, mm. and uh, reaffirming. Mm. Oh, I like that. Nicely done. We always want to leave our audience members with something else to check out after they're finished with the album of choice on this episode. And so if people have finished listening to Shaka Khan's Naughty and they want to check out something else that somehow is tangentially or maybe more directly connected, you know, we always want to give them something else to, to check out. Morgan, what would you recommend that our audience folks uh, peep next? 
You know, because I think um, this album is similar in places. I would say take it back a few years to 1977 and Natalie Cole, and mm. I would get into her album Unpredictable. Most people will know that because the big single from that album was I've Got Love on My Mind, which is so pretty. And I think that was such a smash, and I mean a huge smash, a huge radio hit, that folks didn't pay enough attention to the rest of the album. But it is up-tempo, it is disco-y, and you've got uh, similar elements with Chaka Khan, a pretty soprano with compelling harmonies in her pocket, and two singers that, that have, the, have jazz in their throat as well. So my recommendation is go to that album, start with I Can't Break Away From You, and keep going. You're like a mirror in the back of my mind, I see reflections I was thinking about what other funk albums from 1980 were out there, and one title I had forgotten about was this extraordinary collaboration between, on the one hand, Afro-funk pioneer Fela Kuti and jazz vibraphonist Roy Ayers. The album's called mm. Music of Many Colors. And I don't know if it was a partnership that a lot of people would have thought of as being intuitive on paper, but having those two different sounds so distinctive. I mean, you, when you hear Ayers play, you know, on the vibes, it, there's just something, the way he plays it, that is just very him. And of course, I mean, Fela Kuti invented an entire genre yeah. that we sit with and, and have a familiarity with. And so to have those two men working together on this album, I, I mean, both working with, I think on the one hand, kind of a timeless sound connected with them, but there are also a lot of production details and musical details that are very much of that 1980 transitional moment, as we were talking about earlier, all of which exists on this Music of Many Colors LP. So if folks haven't checked it out before, and if you're either a Fail fan or you're Roy Ayers fan, there's no way you're going to leave this one disappointed. Adeline, take us home. What do you recommend our audience folks check out next after Naughty? I would say um, I would stay with a, another female, brilliant, unique vocalist who has incredibly funky bass lines and funky music, but has a different approach to, to singing. And I would I would uh, say Minnie Riperton. Ooh. Uh, and I would, I would recommend Adventures in Paradise by Minnie Riperton. That album has some of the... Yeah. And it, it, it would show... It's, to me, it would just de describe what... It would just um, be me explaining to someone what my approach of how I hear funk as a female vocalist yeah. and how female incredible vocalists can do pretty funk. Uh, and that's that would be that would be my recommendation. You heard Chaka. Now yeah. see how many Ripperton does it. Mm -hmm. That'll do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest Adeline, whose new EP Antarim just came out. 
I suppose at some point you hope to get back out there to tour. But in the meantime, where can people find you online? At Adeline on Instagram, uh, my music on, you know, stream it if you feel like it <laughs> on all streaming platforms. It's just Adeline, A-D-E-L-I-N-E. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. One last thing, here's a teaser for next week's episode, which features a tribe called Quest, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, talking with us about Public Enemy's genre-altering album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. There are hundreds of records that are very meaningful to me and have helped shape not only my um, musical mind as a producer, but just me as a human being, you know? And I choose this one because at the time this album had come out, I think hip hop was changing and even Public Enemy with this album had changed. You know, it was greatly different than Yo Bum Rush, the show. I was into PE, but the second album, just sonically... It's hard to really put it into words. It was a journey. It was like even the title in of itself. No one in hip hop ever made an album with the title like that. If there were a hip hop album that represented me outside of the works that I've I've worked on, then this would be it. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.